0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So this morning, um, really, you know, I'm really excited about this morning and next week. Uh, next week, I want to put this out before I even get into this message. Bring somebody next week. This is a season where we're talking about Christ, and people's hearts are open just a little bit to, to celebrating the season, to celebrating Christ, to celebrating what Jesus did, why he came. And next week is kind of our big Christmas service, because, you know, the 26th is after Christmas. We decided to do on the 19th. And I, the message for next week, I'm telling you, bring someone who needs to hear who Christ is in their life. Now, we hopefully talk about this every week, but next week specifically... I'm asking you to think about people, think about family members, think about those who you would love to hear a message of hope and to hear the heart of God for who they are. Because I'm telling you, next week I think people are going to find Jesus for the first time in their life. I hope that happens every Sunday, but specifically next week I'm asking you to bring somebody. So this morning, I'm going to start, and it's going to lead from this, you know, I'm talking, just come on and answer this question, around this season, every year. Why did Jesus come? And this message is going to lead a little bit into next week's message, but we're going to start around this idea of peace. And so let's open our Bibles, if you have them with you, if you don't. Uh, we, we now have stacks of Bibles in the corners um, of our sanctuary. Those are for you to take. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to take it and keep it. If you do own a Bible, but you just want one on a Sunday, feel free to take it, and then you can put it back. But uh, those are there for you. They're in the back. There's large print, and there's regular print, and there's actually our uh, Jesus Storybook Bibles as well. But I, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 is where I kind of want to start today. And uh, many of us know this scripture. It gets read almost always on Christmas. And I want to kind of focus in on one portion once we read it. So, for a child is born to us. This is is Isaiah. He's prophesying. These are the words of the Lord. Many, many years before Jesus comes. He says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. I want to just think about those words for a moment. A child is born to us. And it says this, to us. A son is given to us. And sometimes I know we read over scripture and it's easy to skirt over in almost just this religious sense of not internalizing what it's saying. These words, the first words describing the Messiah who is coming to this world to reconcile us back to the Father, he's saying he's given for you. He's given to you. This should be mind-blowing for us, that the God of this universe would send his son. Now, I know we've said those words a trillion times on this planet, but the reality is is that this is the idea that God is actually giving his son to us. Some, Some people take the story of Christ, and they end up making it all about Christ. And I want to be careful with that thinking. We we call it Christ-centered. I want to be Christ-centered because I know it is about Jesus. But guess who Jesus is about? Us. Jesus didn't come here for some self-serving idea. He came here for a self-sacrificing idea for you, for me. And this season should remind us, even this scripture from Isaiah should remind us that Jesus was sent for you and for me to reconcile us back to our our Father. So it says a, a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders in the name of Jesus, we declare that. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government... And it's peace will never end, and so this morning, as you've got your notes in front of you, I want to talk about peace and I want you I want to actually start to use this word a little more than just our English word peace, the word shalom and and try to understand you know I, I have some great friends in Israel. in fact, I had a an hour long conversation on uh, FaceTime this week with my friend. Leon, uh, some of you guys remember Leon from Israel, and he's been here a couple times. And in fact, I was just saying, Leon, when are you coming back? Actually, that's what he was asking me at the same time. So I said, well, when are you coming to America? Let's get you back to New York. And uh, he has some issues with his passport. Uh, They get a 10-year visa. He didn't realize it ran out. And the next visa appointment for him is September of 2022. So he can't come until after that unless we have a miracle in uh, the bureaucracy of our embassy systems. Well, so he, he's just, we connect often, and he, immediately, the minute that his faith pops on the screen, he says, Shalom, Greg. Shalom. And then at the end, after our conversation, he says, Shalom to your family. So, shalom to you. Shalom to the church. And then we, we end our call. And I've always loved it. I know it's just kind of this Jewish thing that is said. But the reality is there's a reason that they say it. And, and you know, they celebrate Sabbath on Saturday. And so often on, they start on Friday evening when the sun goes down, actually. Because that's how they believe the days run from, from sun, sundown to sundown. So Friday evening is when Saturday starts for them. And so they say Shabbat Shalom, which is just basically shalom to our Sabbath day or to our Saturday. And this word should capture us if we understand its meaning. It's not just a simple idea of peace. You know, when we think about peace, I think we, we've Americanized it to this idea of like, you know, peace is kind of like we don't kill each other. Peace is like, you know, we're not at war. We, don't, we think of peace more in the sense of what we're not doing that's violent than what peace actually is without violence. We think it's more the absence of fighting rather than something all on its own. Right? But peace is actually something that is all on its own, and we should take really deep attention to it, because in Isaiah, and then we're going to see through Jesus' words in his life, there's something he comes to declare, and he speaks this word shalom, this word peace over us as humanity. And I love this scripture, it literally ends, it says, his government and its shalom, its peace, will never end. Of all the things that Isaiah, or that God spoke through Isaiah, wanted to make sure they understood, they said his rule, that's government, his rule and his peace. Two very important things. His rule and his peace will never end. Now how many of us can look at the world right now and feel like that's true? Yeah, I'm with you. But you see, peace is not simply this idea of not fighting with one another. It's something that's supposed to permeate every part of who we are. And so I want to turn now from there. So we see this declaration scripture, a child will be born to us. We read this at Christmas time all the time. Let's turn now to Luke 2 and we're going to read just kind of the beginning of that Christmas story. We're going to start right in verse 1. This is the birth of Jesus. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance who is now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields, You'll find, him, you'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let's just stop there. The angels come to declare that Jesus has been born. They tell these Shepherds in the field, where he is, how to find him, what to look for. And then they declare this, this wording that's you know, been turned into song. And I'm reading out of the New Living, so it's not the most traditional way to read it. But it says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. It's the same word. Shalom on earth to those with whom God is pleased. They're declaring that something is going to change the world. They're declaring that God's peace is now going to rest on the world and that literally everything it comes in contact with is going to be changed. That's what this peace, this idea of shalom actually means. John 14, let's turn there now. John 14, verse 27, some of Jesus' last words, right? John 12 all the way through John 17. Jesus is kind of speaking some of the most important things to his disciples his friends. He's he's getting ready to, to go on his way to the cross. And he says this, I am leaving you with a gift, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You know, in the world we live in today, how many of you feel like you've found peace very easily? I really think that most people are looking for peace in some way. They're looking for a world. And, you know, I I really, we all want to look at the world right now and say it's worse than it ever was. I I just want to be honest. It probably isn't. It's worse than it ever was for us. In this generation or in these number of years. But if we look into the past and we look at just the history of, of humanity, this isn't worse than it ever was. But for us, this has shaken our comfortability, especially in America. Mostly in America, actually. Because in America, everything was going pretty well for the last 40, 50 years. Everything's been pretty smooth. We've had some ups and downs and we've had some things that have happened. I'm not saying that, you know, it hasn't, but we haven't, we've never, even especially on our land, our soil, have not experienced a war within our country in a very long time. Now, we've had wars and been at war, honestly, for 20 years somewhere else. But for most of America, we live in a bubble where everything is pretty peaceful, where life is fairly easy. Where when you go to the store, there's stuff on the shelves. And now we're like, what the heck? Why isn't this here? I mean, honestly, when I see the empty shelf, I I go and find someone. I'm like, hey, what are you, not doing your job? Is there stuff in the back? Do you need me to get it for you? (laughs) They're like, no, it's on a ship somewhere. I'm like, oh, God, everybody's using that excuse now. (laughs) And so we get, like, literally rocked by the smallest things. (laughs) How come the toilet paper isn't there? Because our lives have been pretty darn easy. We've had lives where there hasn't been violence and all the issues most of the time. Now, I'm not saying it's not everybody's story, but for most of America, it is our story. And now we've entered this two-year period where things are upended and we're being told what to do and things aren't readily available and people are sick, people are dying, and, and we don't know whether it's right to take a vaccine or wrong to take a vaccine. We don't know if we should wear a mask or not wear a mask. We don't know if our rights are being trampled on or they're not. And we're trying to discern what's happening in the midst of it. And for the first time, really, probably in our history of lives, we've started to experience what it's like to not have peace, or have really an easy way. And immediately we realize, wow, (laughs) this thing's fragile. And I love this scripture because Jesus says it bluntly, a peace the world cannot give. If you're waiting for the government to fix your problems or to end this pandemic, You may be waiting a very long time. If you're expecting the next election to fix things, you're going to be waiting for the next election after that. And the next one after that. And the next one after that. If you're waiting for the right person to be in that place of power, if you're waiting for someone else to make decisions that are going to fix your life and bring that peace and that easiness that you were used to before 2020, if you're waiting for something else to really bring that back, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because if 2020 and 2021 have taught us anything, it should be the realization that our peace does not come from this world. If we have real shalom, the, the peace that Jesus is talking about, this thing that maybe has been elusive even to us as Christians because we haven't needed it so badly. If that's what we're looking for, we have to start looking to the right source for it. And it's only one, Jesus. There's only one person who's going to give you peace in the midst of the storm. In the midst of a world who cannot give it to you, it's got to come from him. It's got to come from, what did we just read about him? The Prince of Peace. I love this idea of Prince of Peace, and I know it's just kind of language that Scripture's using to describe this. But when you talk about a prince over something in in the old days, way back when, if you were the prince of something, it means you had complete control over it. In fact, it was really interesting. I, I kind of wanted to study a little bit, little bit about this. And so when I looked it up, when a king would make you the prince of something, and actually it's still true in England. The princes, they're, they're princes of certain areas. Did you know this? When you become the prince of an area, even though you still have a king or queen over you, you are actually 100% in charge of that realm. And the king, in in you, in most, you know, understanding of, of ancient society would understand if I'm, I'm delegating my authority now as the king or queen to this location, to this type of thing. And so when we read that Jesus is the prince of peace, it means that he has complete authority over peace. He's the one who issues it. He's the one who gives it. It's where we find it. And peace is something that is readily available. In fact, I love Jesus says, I'm leaving you with this gift Peace of mind and heart. And you know, that's, you know, that's out of the New Living translation in a lot of scriptures. It just says shalom. But the New Living was trying to get us to understand that when, you said, when they were saying the word peace, it was an all-encompassing idea. It wasn't just peace externally. It was actually also peace internally. And I think that somehow, just because of our circumstances in America, up until 2020, we've had a general sense of external peace. And we've realized how fragile external peace actually is. The peace that Jesus wants to give us is something that can be deposited within us that never changes despite our outside circumstances. It's why... In the most difficult of moments. You know, I've sat with families where parents are passing away, loved ones are sick, children are diagnosed with horrible diagnosis. And and almost always, when someone really knows Jesus, there's something, even in the midst of the pain and the tears and the weeping and the difficulty, there's a peace that seems to settle in. You know, I remember when Emma, you know, I was in, It was. it's almost going to be three years now. This coming March, me and Jeremiah were away on a trip and I got a call from Jessica that they had to go to the doctors. Emma was still sick. And just within a couple hours, I was getting called that she was being transferred to Burlington because she had a mass in her chest. I took a flight from D.C. to to. Burlington, Vermont and I got them I almost beat them right to the hospital actually and I remember sitting with these doctors trying to understand what they were saying as they were telling me that there was a tumor the size of a grapefruit behind one of her lungs later we learned that they in Burlington they had diagnosed it as a neuroblastoma which is a terrible, terrible thing to have and, of course, in what happened that night was they didn't even want to keep her. They said, this is above us. We want, you to, we want to fly her to, to Boston Children's Hospital. And we were in Boston Children's Hospital for over 30 days. And I remember in the midst of that, it was probably like the second, third day that we were in Boston. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, I think people, I, I've been called emotionless before. <laughs> now, That's only true when it's got nothing to do with anger because I got plenty of that. But in a moment like this, I I remember I was sitting in this chair. Um, Jessica was sleeping. We had all these doctors in the room. It it had been an endlessly long number of nights. I was probably delirious to an extent. They were all robed up long before, you know, quarantine or our understanding of putting masks on and putting this stuff on because at first when we first got there they started to think she didn't have a neuroblastoma that she had some very bizarre infectious disease and so they put us in a tuberculosis room and they had all this you know they had to come into this little vestibule they get all dressed up then they would you know unpressurize and come into this room and we're all in there and we had probably seven eight doctors and I, I can't see their faces like you know they're all they're all completely garbed up, and they're asking me question after question. And one of the guys literally says, how are you so okay? And I, at the time, I just said, I'm just really tired. <laughs> but I think about that, and the reality was that even in the midst of an unbelievable amount of uncertainty, even uncertainty that at the moment, I had little faith to believe for good out of. I wasn't. In fact, in that moment, I was wrestling with these thoughts of, of somewhat anger towards God, like, okay, this is how it goes. This is how it's going to be. This beautiful daughter that's come into my life, and, and now I'm going to have to lose her. And I was probably mostly angry, and I was trying to deal with it. But I looked back, and I realized even over those next number of days, there was this peace that settled in me, and I just had to let it go. I couldn't control it. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't do anything about it. And I sat in that chair, and I just looked at my daughter, and I, I prayed, Jesus, do something incredible here. And it's in moments like that that I realize, and it was before the pandemic when we're all realizing, that our external circumstances cannot be our source of peace. We have to know the Prince of Peace. And when we come into those circumstances, then we have it when we need it. Many of us have, have reached that place in these last couple of years. And I think it's a good measurement of our relationship with Christ when we look at what kind of peace we're feeling. And it's not meant to make you feel bad or meant to make you, but it's meant to challenge us to say, okay, listen, right now in the midst of this world, I need to buckle down in one thing. Not not finding out information, but finding Jesus. I need to buckle down in this one place. I get asked every single week about a million things to do with our world right now. Vaccines and, and masks and the government and blah, 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 blah. And you know what mostly my answer is? I have no idea. But at the end of the day, I have peace. Peace even in my uncertainty, even in my lack of knowledge, even in my lack of ability. And of course, I'm believing for discernment. I'm believing for God to direct us. I'm believing for the Holy Spirit to lead us and to make the right choices. I am believing for those things. I'm not putting my head in the sand, but I know that that isn't my first priority. My first priority is connecting with the Prince of Peace so that I'm not making just rash decisions based on emotions, so I'm not leading us in a place where maybe my anger is the one in charge. <laughs> Peace should be the thing in charge of our life. Peace should be the thing that guides us, the thing that directs us. This idea of shalom, this thing that embodies over our mind, our spirit, our physical body, and it should begin to affect our external world. You see, I think... I think in this time period, what I've realized more than ever, in a sense, I think many of us know this by words, changing something externally is never the most effective path. Changing something internally is. And if we want to change the world in which we're seeing, if we want to change the politics that we're dealing with, if we want to change people's lives around us, it first starts with us being changed people. And then that coming out of us. If we want to see a world full of peace, like Jesus is promising, like like Isaiah is prophesying, if we want to see a a thing where Jesus' government and his peace never ends, it means that the world needs to be filled with peace-filled people. Which can only happen from Jesus. It means we've got to have so much of Jesus' peace within us, that shalom spirit within us, that wherever we go, it's dispensing it. That whoever we talk to, we're not just commiserating with the idea that they're commiserating with, that we're actually now ministering peace into their situation. Ministering peace into their mindset. Ministering peace into their world and into their frustrations and to their concerns. Not a dismissing, not a making less than, but literally the Holy Spirit ministering a peace that really the world and us don't understand very well. This is Jesus' words to us. This is one of the main reasons he has come to this world, to dispense this spirit of shalom, this peace that's supposed to reside within us. Colossians 1.20 If I can find it. it. says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Everything in heaven and on earth has God's peace available to it. Every situation, every circumstance, every heart, every mind, every terrible thought, every addiction, every situation, God's peace is available. It says he's reconciled the world to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. Now, I love when we believe it's like we want to read Scripture and believe everything it says, but then we, be- we read specifically what it says, and we struggle to believe it. Do we believe Jesus made peace with everything in heaven and on earth? I know our eyes and our ears, it's hard to realize. But there's a place where we look beyond that, and we know that there's an available peace to the world around us. And this is where at the end of the day I absolutely believe there's still choice in the midst of everything when it comes to Jesus. He never forces his salvation on us. He doesn't force his peace on us. It's available. He's made it available. He's made peace with everything, but we now have to choose it. Ephesians 2:17 Then, Christ, well, that's not right. Ephesians two seventeen. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. I love this. His peace is available to those who were far, and to those who are near. His peace is available to the person who is the furthest from God right now. Every person you can think of in your mind that you would think, man, they want nothing to do with Jesus. They want nothing to do with this Christianity. His peace is available for those who are far away and his peace is available for you who are near. You see, proximity to Jesus doesn't guarantee peace in your life. There's still something we have to choose from him. It's still something we have to accept from him. Ephesians 6:15 says it this way, and you know we know this scripture from different, different teachings, but it says, "For shoes, he's talking about, you, know, this, this kind of garment of what we're supposed to wear and this stuff we're supposed to put on as Christians. And he ends with this, Paul writes, "For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared." Peace is something you have to put on. If, if you were here a number of weeks back when we were teaching on the church, I taught out of the, the, the banquet feast parable that Jesus talks about. About how he sends an invitation to those and they refuse to come. And then he opens it up. And that scripture says, for good and bad alike, anyone can come to the wedding feast. And then there's this weird alter, altercation where you know the king in the story comes to this guy who isn't dressed right for the wedding. And it's kind of weird in the story because they just opened the doors of the wedding feast to everyone and now he's mad that someone's not wearing the right clothes. And Jesus ends by saying, for many are called but few are chosen. And it's this idea that there's a choosing within us to put on the clothes that are given to us. Because the part of the parable we don't understand in our Western context is the clothes were prepared and given to every guest who showed up. This guy just decided to not put him on. And it's so easy to do that in Christianity. It's like we come to Jesus and we receive salvation, but we don't put on everything he has available for us. Peace is one of those things. I love that Ephesians lays it out in this this idea of garments and pieces, and he says, for shoes, (laughs) put on the peace of the good news, because then you'll be fully prepared Fully prepared. You know, I think sometimes we, we look at this idea of, of understanding the times in which we live. And we, you know, many of us that have studied even Revelation and kind of this end time or eschatology. The these study of the end times. And we're always looking for when the end of the world is going to take place. And we want to be prepared for it. But the truth is the preparedness just comes from peace. The world could basically end today. Everything ends as we know it. Governments crumble, people trying to survive, and we as Christians not should have stockpiled basements. We should have stockpiled peace. We should be the people who are now literally gathering people together to say, listen, we can do this. We can take care of one another. We can show you what community looks like. We can show you what loving each other looks like. That's what the preparedness means. That we should be prepared of heart and mind. And the biggest way to be prepared is the peace of Jesus within us. You want to be prepared for the end? Get some peace. Not toilet paper. I mean, that's nice too. Peace, God wants to dispense to us. And I think right now in the midst of this world, so many of us are struggling to find this peace. So many of us are struggling, even in our own ideas and thinking, to understand how to have this peace. Even those of us who know Jesus. And this is what I want to challenge today. It's not as complicated as we make it. If you want peace from somebody, spend more time with the person. I'm telling you, if you right now would be honest with yourself and say, man, I need more peace, then what you need is more Jesus. Do the things you know how to do to spend time with him. If you don't know how to spend time with him, I'll tell you a few ways. Prayer. Wake up a few minutes early. Spend some time, instead of listening to music that makes you think one way, put on Christian music, put on worship. Start praying when you're in the shower. Start praying when you're in the car. Give some time to Jesus. Shut the Netflix, shut the fifth next Netflix show off. And spend that time with God. Turn off the news for a few minutes. Start filling your life with more of who Jesus is. Read the scripture. Get on the YouVersion app. Spend time with Jesus. If you want to find peace, you've got to go to the source of it. So many of us think that when we come to Jesus, it's just like all of these things are just going to rain down on you and everything's going to be quaint and easy. It's not. You have to actually work for it sometimes. You have to find it. You have to put it on yourself. Jesus has prepared it for you, but you have to come to him to get it. And I want to challenge us today as Christians in the midst of this world. We should be shining very bright because we are filled with peace. We are filled with hope as we sang today. Don't complicate it. And if you're still like, well, I do spend time with Jesus, guess how easy it is? Spend more. That was the challenge for me. Six months ago, I realized I, if I want to really see what God is going to do in the North Country, then I need to step up my time with him. I need to spend more time with him than I ever have in my entire life. Even as busy as I could be, as I could fill time with other things, feeling possibly more productive, I've been more productive because I've given more time to Jesus. I've been more filled with peace because I've given more time to Jesus. It's that simple. Why don't we stand this morning? Jesus makes this peace available, but we must still choose. To put it on. You know if you're in this room. If you're watching online today. I believe God can dispense peace to you in this moment. That right now is a moment where we are spending time with him. It's it's why we spend time in worship. It's why we sing songs and and we come into this place and people share words they're getting from God. It's why we pray together. It's because we believe that when we spend time with him, he is going to transform us. He's going to change us. He's going to fill us with what we need. And I believe today in this season, in this place, in your house, in your mind, in your family, in this world, we need his peace. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're in this room and you don't know him. It's really easy. It's simple to begin this relationship with him. He's already paid the price on the cross of reconciling you to God simply you have to receive his gift and it's just words it's it's words declared in your own heart in your own mouth to say god i need you i don't want to go my way anymore i don't want to think the way i used to think anymore i don't want to be in charge of my own life however you want to say it it's simply those things to admit god i can't do this on my own and i need you jesus that's the premise of christianity a recognition of our need for christ And if you want to recognize it today, all you do, you can whisper it to yourself. You can pray it right now. It begins this relationship. It It begins a moment where you now have a source for everything that you will need. I'm going to pray for everybody in this room. I'm going to pray right now that God dispenses peace over our hearts and minds this season. And I'm believing that over these next couple weeks we're going to see new people come to the knowledge of Jesus' goodness for who he is. That people are going to look at our lives this week and they're going to say, why do you, why do you seem different? You'll be able to say, I have more peace than I've ever had. So Father, we ask right now for your peace to come in this room. God we ask for that Shalom peace that that peace that should encounter every part of us even as Alice prophesied this morning a, a peace that comes in and we let it go everywhere in the rooms of our house God that we ask you to make your home within us God not just holding you at arms length but God we ask for your peace in every way God we ask for your peace in people's circumstances in their relationships in their marriages God, we ask for peace right now in people's bodies that are experiencing illness. God, we ask for your shalom to just flood over people's hearts right now who are dealing with anxiety and depression and worry. God, we ask for your freedom to come over minds as your peace floods in, in the name of Jesus. Now, I just want every one of us in this room, everybody watching online, if you're watching this right now, I want you to say these words, Jesus, I receive your peace. God, we receive what you have for us. God, we receive your goodness. We receive everything you have. God, we don't want to hold it back. And Father, I pray right now that your peace would overwhelm us, that it would fill us, and that it would overflow in the name of Jesus. God, that this season, wouldn't it just be another Christmas season, just another moment to remember the birth of Jesus, but God, a moment to see your kingdom advanced in our lives and in the world around us. So God, we thank you for being the Prince of Peace. We thank you for this shalom over our lives. And Father, we receive it together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Listen, if God is doing something in your heart, we tell someone, write it down on those connect cards. We want to hear what God's doing in you. So be blessed. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.